Welcome to Equip This Church Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Desiree Levy. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. Amen. Well, Morena family, why don't you find your seat? Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, team. You guys are amazing. Oh, so good to see you. Thank you, Ryan. So as Jason said this morning, um, my name is Desiree. If I haven't met you, a great privilege to be here ministering and bringing the word this morning. Married to Will, and we are the senior pastors here at Equippers Dunedin. Um, Will is visiting Timaru Church. Um, He's doing some leadership and some help over there. So um, that's where he is this morning, and he'll be back this evening for the PM. Um, And it is my privilege to be bringing the word this morning. Um, We've got a new series that we're starting called What Works. And I'll tell you what works for me is having this in the middle. (laughs) Um, We're going to lean into some ideas this morning. We're going to unpack some stuff about actually what works in our lives. (laughs) Not just theoretical ideas, but actually what's some stuff that could really make a difference. How could we become a little bit more like Jesus um, in our daily lives? What works? Things like prayer works. Things like daily devotions work. (laughs) Things like good habits work. Things like surrender works. Things like faith works. And today I am kickstarting the series with kindness works. Now, the communications team were a bit nervous this morning because I'm wearing my kind dress. And they all thought, does that mean we all have to wear labeled clothing with the thing that we're preaching on in the future? No, that's not the case. But I thought, why not preach with my clothing this morning as well? I'm always looking for creative ways of getting it, (laughs) getting it into my heart and into your heart. So um, if that's the only thing that you take away from today, that you need a dress that says kind, then awesome. Um, You know, as a mum, I'm a mum, I've got three kids and um, they are amazing, wonderful. And um, I'm always looking for concise and age-appropriate ways of saying great things to them that help to shape their character. Um, A couple of years ago, one of my kids came home from um, school with a free drink bottle. And they'd had cross-country or some other, you know, of those things um, that seemed to come along very often, all the things that were meant to attend. And, um, (laughs) you know, it was just a plain black plastic drink bottle, but it had this huge writing (laughs) around the middle of it. So imagine much bigger than this one. This one's tiny, but you know, normal drink bottle size. And um, it had this writing around the side. No matter which angle you looked at this drink bottle from, you saw what it said. There was no hiding it. And I've got a quote that I want to put up on the screen, because this is what it said on the side of this drink bottle. (laughs) If you can't be kind, be quiet. (laughs) It's a great motto, isn't it? It's a great idea. Um, If you've got nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. But this is much more concise. If you can't be kind, be quiet. And um, (laughs) I'm not telling everybody to be quiet this morning, but I am saying, hey, kindness works. Kind is good. Kind wins. Let's be kind. And if we can't be kind, then it's let's not, let's not add to the pain. Let's not add to the problem. Let's be kind. There's a foundational scripture that I want us to use today, and it's found in Micah 6, verse 8. 
And um, I want to read it to us in two different translations because, as you know, I love the Word of God. I love understanding it. I love digging deep and I love reading it in all the translations so I get a bit of color and a little bit of understanding. And the first is in the English Standard Version. And it just says this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And then let's read it in the message, Micah 6, 8 in the message. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Isn't it great when you can read scriptures like this that just go, hey, here's how you should live. Here's a few hints. Here's a few tricks. Here's a few tips that you could take away. Could you, love, could you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly? Could you weave those things into your daily life? And you know what? It sounds really simple, but I actually think we need to be quite intentional with our actions, our words, our lives, if we're truly going to walk out Micah 6, 8. If you say you know Jesus, if you say you love Jesus, then these are some characteristics that you want to walk in, that you want to be part of your portion. When people think about who you are and the imprint that you have left on their life, you want them to say, man, she was kind. Man, she, was, she did justice for the people around her. Man, she had humility. You know, our, our lives need some parameters. We need some boundaries. If we want to live well, if we want to live how God has intended for us to live, then these are kind of some good buffers <laughs> for us to have on the edge of our lives that we keep on hitting into. Justice, kindness, humility. Kindness is non-negotiable. It's imperative. If you say you know Jesus, if you say you love Jesus, this is what he's expecting of you. Love, kindness. Um, in Wikipedia, there's a definition of kindness that I thought I'd share with us. Kindness is a type of behavior marked by acts of generosity, consideration, rendering assistance or concern for others without expecting praise or reward in return. Kindness is a topic of interest in philosophy and religion. Kindness was one of the main topics in the Bible. Kindness means connecting. It means being conscious and intentional about our behaviors and about the impact that my words and my actions might have on somebody else. It means expending effort and care towards other people. It also means suspending judgments and accepting people as they are. Kind can be messy. Sometimes kind takes me to places where I'm awkward or I'm clumsy or I don't say or do the right thing. I'm tongue-tied. Kindness requires me to take a risk and it requires me to be vulnerable. But, you know, as human beings who love God, we can't wait until we've got it all together before we are kind to others. We can't wait till it's all knitted together nicely in our own lives before we express kindness to those we do life with. And it's my prayer that, you know, Equippers Dunedin would be known for our kindness. It's deeper than nice. You know, just like joy is deeper than happy. Kindness, that we would be known for people who are kind to the world that we are in. And if we don't, I think that we'll sacrifice relationships and opportunities. We'll miss out on some stuff if we don't pursue kindness. 
You've got everything that you need within you right now to be kind. To be kind to those that you rub shoulders with, that you interact with, your sphere of influence on a daily basis. Kindness has the ability to restore order to our worlds, where God is first. So I want us to explore this concept of kindness a little bit more this morning, and we're going to take a walk through the book of Ruth. And um, if you could turn with me, Ruth is found in the Old Testament, just after Judges and just before 1 Samuel. And there's about four components. Well, there's actually four that I'm going to share this morning. There's probably lots more. (laughs) But there's four components of kindness that I want us to unpack this morning from the book of Ruth. And I'm going to give us a synopsis. I'm going to give us a bit of an overview because otherwise I'd have to read all four chapters. And who knows, that might get long and boring. Um, So I'm going to give us a synopsis, I'm going to pick and choose a couple of the scriptures, but I encourage you to go home and read it with fresh eyes, maybe over this week, read the book of Ruth. Um, The four components that I want to talk about this morning, kindness is going to require commitment, it's a way of life, not a one-off action, vulnerability, and it's a battle. So let's have a look at the book of Ruth, let me give you the context. It's predominantly a story about redemption. The whole idea is that Ruth was from a foreign country and she goes with her mother-in-law back to her nation and there's a redemption that takes place because widows and women were really poorly looked after at that time. There had to be some redemption that happened by a family member. The whole idea is that Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. That's what the book is pointing us towards, that Jesus is our redeemer. No matter where you've come from, what you've done, who you are, you're redeemed. And um, that's the big picture. But there is also this other theme that runs through the book of Ruth, and that is kindness. And it's not because of anything you've done or anything you can do. It's just kindness. And um, it's woven. It's kind of like woven into all of the characters. There's three main characters in the book of Ruth. Naomi, the mother-in-law, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, and then Boaz, family member. And so it opens with this report of famine. There was a famine in the land of Israel or Bethlehem, and this drove Naomi's family out of Bethlehem, and they went into Moab. And Naomi, her husband, and two sons left Israel, and they go into Moab, and the sons marry Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And unfortunately, the husband and the sons die. And so there's left with Naomi and these two daughter-in-laws. And Naomi heard that the Lord was visiting his people in Bethlehem, providing food for them, that there was a sovereign answer back in her hometown. And so she made the decision that she would return to Bethlehem. And she tried to leave her daughters-in-law behind because otherwise their lives too were going to be destitute and poverty with her. But Ruth would not be persuaded. Um, some of the writing in the book of Ruth is pretty powerful. And the things that Ruth actually says to Naomi, I will not, you know, I am now with you. You are my people. (laughs) This is who we are. And we'll unpack those in a little bit. Um, And the rest of the book of Ruth kind of centers on this journey of Naomi and Ruth going back to Bethlehem, how they establish themselves and what happens to them. They had no money. They had no home. They had no place to be. And so Ruth goes into the fields just of other people to gather food, to gather wheat, to gather grain. And one landowner, his name was Boaz, noticed Ruth, and he said to his workers, hey, be kind. Leave food. Don't pick it all up. Leave it around the edges for her and let her gather all that she needs. And he didn't know who she was. He didn't know that they were related in any way. 
He was just acting out of kindness. And he happened to be a relative, and he happened to have the ability to buy the land back from Naomi to give um, redemption to Ruth and to Naomi and to, and to marry Ruth. And interestingly enough, he marries Ruth. They have a son called Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. And now Ruth is in the genealogy of Jesus for all time <laughs> as a result of this story. You know, and Ruth embodies kindness in all of her actions. Ultimately, it's all about God's grace, yes. But there's this woven theme of kindness. Ruth's actions towards Naomi, Boaz's actions towards Ruth and Naomi, and what happens as a result of kindness. Loving kindness in your everyday life pleases God. That's the big idea here. Ruth is now remembered for all time in the genealogy of Jesus because of a characteristic of kindness in her own life. And those, those four things that I want to talk about, I want to pull them out of this story this morning. The first is that it's going to take some commitment to be kind. Naomi was trying to like put Ruth off. Don't come with me. It's awful. I can't promise you anything. Stay here. Marry someone else. You'll have a better life. And, um, and Ruth, she just exudes this deep commitment and this deep loyalty to her mother-in-law. We read in Ruth 1, verses 16 to 17 in the message. But Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me, God, not even in death itself, not even death itself is going to come between us. Ruth was committed, fully, deeply committed, and she was prepared to sacrifice. She abandoned family, her friends, her future security, and she became, alongside Naomi, like a widow for all intents and purposes with nothing to her name because of her commitment. You know, kindness really requires us to commit. We're in it for the long haul. <laughs> I'm committing to a life of kindness. I'm committing to this thing in front of me. And it may mean sacrifice in some areas, but as we see in the story of Ruth in the book of Ruth, she lacked for nothing at the end of the day. She chose kindness and God provided. And so in response to your commitment to kindness, you can expect the hand of God to be moving over your life. You can walk in providential blessing, supernatural, sovereign blessing as you are kind to those that you do life with. And you know, when we commit, we just can't give up at the first hurdle. When the going gets tough, we can't decide, poof, this kindness luck. You know, poof, giving that up. <laughs> it's going to take us a little bit of grit, a little bit of perseverance to be kind over and over and over again, to commit to the journey of kindness. Because that's what creates the right kind of soil in our lives for miracles to flourish. It catches the attention of heaven. Ruth caught God's attention catches the attention of heaven when we're kind and we're committed to it. Um, you know, I have this delightful little sister. I say little, I mean, we're all adults now, but she's 10 years younger than me, so um, she was my always my little sister. And um, she, when I talk about commitment, she has stickability. Like, she seriously has stickability. And, um, you know, we were... We were out water skiing as a family one day, so my dad's always been interested in water and boats and all of that kind of stuff. And um, we had this little jet boat, fizz boat thing, 
And um, she was learning to ski by herself. She was five at the time. She's always been pretty gutsy. And um, what, the way that we used to learn to ski was that we would stand on the front of Dad's skis and, and, be, and he'd bend over really, really low and be holding on to us. And, you know, that's how we learned to ski. And um, anyway, she was like, I'm not going on front of Dad's skis anymore. I'm doing this thing by myself. And so Dad was like, all right, all right. And the advice that he gave her, her his parting words to her <laughs> before we took off was, just don't let go of the rope. Okay, hold on. And um, I will never forget this image seared into my brain of her not letting go. When the skis had gone, when everything else had gone, and she's just holding onto the rope on her belly, and there's water, and her eyes are open, and she's like screaming. She did not let go. Dad had to like turn the boat off, stop everything, get out in the middle of the ocean, and, and go and scoop her up. But you know what? That's the kind of commitment I'm talking about here. <laughs> so the next time you are thinking, oh, this is getting a bit hard, open your eyes and see water. That's what she did. Her eyes were wide open, fast, seawater just rushing through, <laughs> burning. But that's commitment. <laughs> and kindness requires us to be committed. Don't let go. Don't give up. Don't give up when it gets a little bit hard or you fall the first time. Get back up. Hold on. Commit to kindness. Secondly, kindness is a way of being. It's not a one-off action. It's actually a character thing. So Ruth 2, verses 8 to 12. Again, I'm reading from the message. Then Boaz spoke to Ruth, listen, my daughter, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one and stay close to my young woman. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them. And don't worry about a thing. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you. When you get thirsty, feel free to go and drink from the water buckets that the servants have filled. She dropped to her knees, then bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly? Me, a foreigner. And Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you. Heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband, how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God reward you well for what you've done and with a generous bonus besides from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings. And in chapter 3, verse 11 now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Ruth's character preceded her. Boaz treated her kindly, extended kindness towards her because of her character. He noticed something. The whole of the town noticed something. In other translations, there's words like noble, courageous, woman of excellence, generous, sacrificial. A question that I ask myself is, what precedes me? When people hear about you or me, what are the characteristics they're hearing about? What are the things that other people are saying? When they introduce someone, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You know, Ruth's commitment and the loving kindness that she had towards Naomi formed a reputation that went before her. She was a Moabite woman, rival to the people of Israel, enemies. And yet they still treated her like this because of her reputation towards them. 
You know, there's a Hebrew word that kind of describes her actions and her character and the way that Boaz is describing her. And it's loving kindness. But it's kind of squidged together. When I first read it, I think we've got it to put up on the screen. But this is how it's actually written in some of the translations of the Bible. Loving kindness. All together. <laughs> Not an accident. This wasn't an accident. <laughs> loving kindness. And it means commitment. Covenant loyalty. You know, Boaz extends this hand of generosity to Ruth. Come on, pick grain from my fields. I've told everyone to leave you some. And she goes, why are you being so kind to me? And he said, because your characteristic of loving kindness has preceded you. Your ability to love and be kind has preceded you. It's gone before you. Does loving kindness describe me and you? You know, this um, in Hebrew culture and tradition, this word, loving kindness, it was a characteristic of God. It was used to describe a characteristic of God. And it, and it was also used to describe, hey, this is where God will truly reign. Like order, bringing order back to your world through loving kindness. You know, Jesus was obviously the ultimate example of this. Loving kindness right to the very end, giving it all. And I don't really have enough understanding, and I have definitely haven't done enough research to do loving kindness the justice it deserves. We're really only scratching the surface here. But it's a character trait of God, and we would do well to try and walk in it. God's loving kindness is abundant. Its extent is great. It's everlasting, full of goodness, steadfast. In the Bible, it says, your loving kindness is great to the heavens. Loving kindness. It's a character thing. It's not a one-off action. You don't put it on just for the day and take it off again at the end of the day. It's a character thing. It comes out of you. Thirdly, kindness is going to require us to be a little bit vulnerable. You know, to be truly kind to other people, I think it starts with us understanding, hey, I've got great self-worth, I'm worthy, I've got something to offer, I've got something I can bring to the table here, I'm valuable. I, it, me being kind to others doesn't diminish me in any way. I can just give loving kindness. We are loved, safe, worthy, valuable. We can be kind. Courage, um, the Latin word for courage means Tell your story of who you are with your whole heart. So everything about you. So when we're, when we're giving kindness to other people, let's do so courageously. With who we are, with everything that we've got, let's be truly kind to other people. Because at the end of the day, I know this is not a revelation to anybody here, but connection and relationship with other people give your life meaning and purpose and add color to it. And it's going to take us being a people who are not afraid to be a little bit vulnerable and be kind. When everything within us is saying, but <laughs> they didn't treat me kindly, could you be kind? In the story of Ruth, we see her display that vulnerability time and time again to her mother-in-law, to the field workers. Can you imagine how she felt just going around scooping up after them? To Boaz. And she displays this vulnerability all the time while being kind. She knows who she is. She's not trying to hide from anybody. She says, I am Ruth. I've come from Moab. 
but she's just vulnerable and true and real and continues to be kind. You know, part of that Micah 6, 8 scripture that we started with was do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. Sometimes that vulnerability requires us to humble ourselves a little bit. To not take ourselves too seriously, but take God seriously. It's going to take a little bit of humility to truly walk out that loving kindness. And then fourthly, I would like to pretend that it doesn't take this, but it does. It's actually going to take a little bit of a fight within you to be kind. I would love to say that it's easy, but it's actually not. Um, I'm a chartered accountant, um, you know, and part of my world and we have to do a certain number of like professional development um, hours every year to stay current and to stay competent and to prove that we can do some of the things that come across our path and um, I was sent a notification I get all the notifications because then you can choose which courses you want to go to and um, I got sent this notification and it wasn't it wasn't the content of the course that really um, grabbed me because I'm not doing it I was like, nah. Um, it was actually the write-up about one of the speakers. So often I'd dive in and have a look at who's speaking and what they're going to say. And, and you know what? She was talking about kindness. And um, at the end of her write-up was this hashtag, kindness warriors. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> there's something in that. It does take a bit of a fight to be kind to go against the grain of what's expected or normal or ordinary and actually put in a bit of fight to be kind. It's going to take a battle. And when I think about the life of Ruth, she fought hard and she paid a price for her kindness. She left her own people, she left everything she knew, she left her family and she went with her mother-in-law out of loving kindness. And she had to humble herself with the field workers and with Boaz time and time again. Paying the price, battling to be kind, battling to stay in the game. And you know, sometimes in my own humanity, I am kind sometimes, and then I feel entitled to certain behaviours in return. Anybody else with me? <laughs> Anybody else get what I'm saying? I'll be kind, but I don't know if they're kind. <laughs> And you know what? I think that's where the biggest battle is. It's in our flesh. It's in our humanity. To actually the rubber on the road moment when someone is not kind to you, will you still be kind? Will you still express something of that loving kindness, that character trait of God in your world? Living above what's expected and what's normal behavior and living kind. Kindness is the better choice. Kindness is the higher choice, but it is a battle to stay there. Um, there's this great quote um, from Teddy Roosevelt, which I've used before in um, a couple of other messages because it's just so brilliant, and um, the context of it is just so great. Let's read the quote, and then I'll um, explain. So this was from Teddy Roosevelt in 1910, um, and it says this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Um, Teddy Roosevelt delivered this speech in 1910, and he'd finished his term as the US president, and he was touring Europe. And the basic crux of his message was that the average citizen must be one of great character if we're going to see the world changed. That was the theme. <laughs> that was the basis. And he was saying, hey, it's not the one who criticizes others who is great. It's the one who actually gets in there and does the things, is kind, speaks the words, lifts up others, pours it out. They're the ones who actually make a difference. And it's just those everyday, ordinary qualities like kindness that change the world. Sure, your face might get a little bit dirty. You might get a little bit sweaty. <laughs> you might hurt. Someone might not repay your kindness with kindness. But you'll know that your life is making a difference in the world that we live in. Our worship team, do you want to jump on up with me? Um, you know, you might be thinking, well, Desiree, yes, well and good, all well and good, lovely theories. <laughs> um, but how can I weave this into my life on a daily basis? How can I weave more loving kindness into my life? Because the key is, I don't want to read great scriptures like this, Micah 6, 8, and then not know how to actually apply it to my own life. How do I walk this out on a daily basis? What about if in your job or your career or your vocation, you decided that kindness was the first thing you needed to express from your life and in your CV on a daily basis? The first skill that you honed and sharpened was your kindness towards others or the team that you lead, where you start to place more priority on the character of the people that are within your team than on the competency. If you're a teacher, could you teach kindness on a daily basis before maths? Five minutes on kindness this morning, class. Because you know, expertise and competence and all of those skills, they will be taught. They can be taught. But how about the character? If you're a mum or a dad or a caregiver in this place, imagine the world that you are helping to create as you mould and shape and nurture kindness in the little people in your world. Rather than competition and entitlement and consumerism, could we teach kindness and character? I wonder if we could get to a place where the content of people's character mattered more than the score or the grade or the achievement. You know, if you're a parent in this place, you probably know about those um, reports that come home or perhaps we've all received one in our life at some point, a report card from school. And um, at our school, um, where our little kids went to primary school, the report card came home and it had two sides to it. One side is all about where they sit against the national standards for achievement in maths and in reading and writing and art and drama and all those kind of things. That's where they stand. And on the right-hand side, it was more about their attitude towards learning and their effort and their character. 
I'm not for one minute suggesting that I have it all together. But as a mum, I chose really early on that I was going to focus on the right-hand side. That the content of my children's character was more important than the achievements and the levels and the things that they managed to do on the other side. Because you know what? They'll learn that stuff anyway. They'll learn that stuff. And if they don't, they'll create a new world for themselves. Start a business that no one else has thought of or something like that. But it's their character that I'm more concerned about. Who are we forming on the side? Man, if you could receive a report card from your life up until this point, how's the right-hand side? No condemnation in Jesus. Please hear my heart this morning. I'm just encouraging us. Could we emulate love and kindness? A little bit more. Could we be more concerned with the content of our own character than with our achievements and the scores and the grades? How about that friendship or that family relationship that you could go again with loving kindness? And you know what? <laughs> I've got really good news for you today. Galatians 5 tells me that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And so if you've been walking with Jesus for a little bit of time, one day, 20 years, you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And that means a fruit of the Spirit is kindness in your life. And so that makes it not even that hard. It's already within you. You have everything you need within you to emulate loving kindness on a daily basis. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.